0: It is so good to see you guys. I've been looking forward to this all week, being able to be with you guys. And um, last week we, we, last weekend we kicked off this series entitled The Big Give. This is one of our favorite times of the year where we get to be used by God to make a big difference in our community. And and the question I kicked off this whole series with, I want to go back to because I bet it's a question you've asked yourself before. You maybe even been frustrated over the lack of an answer that you've had for it before. But here's the question. What difference can I really make? What difference can our family, one family, really make? What difference even can one church really make? And we have been looking at the answer to that. We started last week, looked at Jesus' answer to this, and he simply said, you may have never thought about this, you never really processed this to a deeper level, but God has created you. You're here to be salt and light; these these are two powerful metaphors that Jesus pulls out, which is crazy because in the first century they were powerful. They are powerful right down to twenty twenty two. We still use them all the time. The reason you can see me right now because of light, and I guarantee you, whatever I have for lunch, I'm probably going to put some salt on it. But anyway, um, it is still a big part of our life. You can't go to a restaurant without having salt and pepper on the table, right? Like they're still such a huge part of our lives. But what do these two things have in common? They both have a power disproportionate to their size. It doesn't take very much salt. They could really change the flavor and seasoning of a dish. It doesn't take very much light to completely change the ambiance of a room, especially if it's a completely dark room. Like, just one little tiny pinpoint light could radically change what you can see in the room. In other words, Jesus was saying your life, and you may have never thought about your life having this kind of disproportionate power, but it has the same kind of God-given ability to impact far more and greater than you ever dreamed or even dared to conceive that you could have an impact. In other words, he's saying when you begin to follow me my light will shine through you and other people will see that light those good deeds that you're doing and they will praise your father in heaven and it will have a ripple effect across the world in other words God wants to create a ripple effect through your life that lasts far beyond your life on this earth and isn't that what every one of us wants I deep down like at a soul level desire wouldn't you say i really want my life to matter that, to have meaning to have purpose that that there's something that that i contributed towards while i was here on this earth that will outlast me way 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 outlast me jesus says i'll do you one better how about laying up treasure in heaven that will never be taken away from you that will have eternal value, that will never diminish, It will never depreciate, ever. You can do that. That's possible. I'm opening up a door for you to be able to do that. Now, in this, this uh, new series, the, the Big Give, we've kind of started with this idea that, hey, we understand in the world around us, people in our day, people are always talking about the problems that are all around us, all the problems in our world, but we are going to be a part of the solution. That's our decision and that's our promise That this is what this, is, this series is about Is that you, and we're going to invite you to be a part of this To be able to help make a difference In a day when it, it is easy to point at problems It's easy to criticize somebody else It's easy to say, the world would be a better place If this person wouldn't do this And that wasn't happening and all these things And yeah, I agree, yeah, I get. It. we all get it, right? But that doesn't change anything until somebody steps up and says, I'm going to step up and do something about this. I'm going to make a difference. I'm going to let God use me, get me out of my comfort zone. Until somebody does that, there's no ripple effect. There's no, it's just a downward spiral, echo chamber of criticism. And that's pretty much describes much of what we live in today, politically, socially, across communities, across our nation and world. Uh, here's uh, a, a, a common problem that I want to propose to you that I bet has happened at your house, too. They kind of help us have a jumping-off place, if you will. Have you ever come home, you've opened up the pantry, maybe you opened up your fridge, and all of a sudden you realize some food in there has expired? And the first way that you know is because, whoo, it is like, Dang, that is horrible. That smell, smells like something has died in our house, okay? Oh, wow. Like, and, and maybe uh, you didn't mean to. you like, the expiration date just got out of hand, or it was cooked food that you thought, oh, that'll be leftovers in a couple days, and you put it in a nice little container, and then you popped it open, and like, whoa, nobody's eating that. Like, that's, that's, that would threaten the life. I think we need to go ahead and just throw the whole thing, not even try to clean it out, you know, throw it in the trash, Um, We've all had that, haven't we? Come home, open the pantry. The 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 bread is just moldy, right? And you're like, nope, not not eating that. Nobody, we can't even like cut off the bad part and try to eat. That's this this gone. Like it's just no good. And you probably said something like, we didn't use this in time. Now it's no good to nobody, right? (laughs) We we've extended. We've we we've expired the expiration date. We've gone way past it, and it's no good anymore. And today, we're going to be looking at some words, very wise words from the half-brother of Jesus. His name was James. He has a book in the New Testament named after him. Some of you may know about it. Some of you might not. We're going to be looking at it today. But James is going to throw down a warning. And it is a warning that many times gets missed by younger people. It's usually not till people are much older in life they go why didn't I pay attention to this earlier? Why didn't I look at this and really start living accordingly when I was younger? I wish like crazy I could rewind the tape and start living like that when I was much, much younger. So I hope today, my hope and prayer is that you will desire wisdom over convenience that you would be willing to do what is wise and what is of God and God honoring today, even if it's a little uncomfortable, it's gonna push you out of your comfort zone a little bit. So here's what I'd like to do. I want to give you right up front, I wanna give you the big aha, the big wisdom teaching, wisdom statement of this entire message, okay? In case something happens and you go, oh, I gotta go, and somebody says, What was church about? You can tell them, here's what it's about, all right. Giving is required before our stuff is expired Giving is required before our stuff is expired Now let's take a look together We're going to be looking at James chapter 5 starting with verse 1 Okay, let's take a look at that together What does James say? Here's how he begins Pretty audacious statement right here Now listen you rich people wow even for first century that's kind of blunt right and i bet you people in jerusalem that read this letter kind of publicly maybe even today you're like yeah where are those rich people <laughs> he's talking right it's you people where are you you know where are the rich people and what's funny is that many times we relegate ourselves out of that category we don't think we're rich because we don't feel rich and if you don't feel rich You'll never do the things that the Bible warns Against rich people to do and, and here's what I want to get you to think about this for a minute The reason that we don't think we're rich Is because we don't feel rich And the reason that we don't feel rich Is for two reasons Let's talk about, here's the first one the first one is because we have no financial margin. Or most people who live in this country, along with all the other countries of the world, do not live with financial margin. In other words, if you make this much, you spend that much or more <laughs> every month. And because of that, there's no breathing room in your budget and the way that you live. So I don't care if you make a million dollars a year or more, you're never gonna feel rich if you spend all of it like that's just a rule of the way the world and universe works right here's the other one the other reason you don't feel rich is because of let's blame it on social media but today the world that we live in we know what everybody else has right we know what they drive we know where they live we know the new house they built we know where they went vacationing so what happens is we fall in this trap of the comparison game oh well we're not rich they're rich look they're driving the new suv look they went oh my gosh they traveled there for their vacation look we just went like just see your parents in the next town over like you know like we're not they they live like rich people we don't live like rich people the reason we don't think we're rich is because we always can point a finger at and look at somebody who's rich. Er, right in this country that's pretty easy to do And because of that, it makes us never say, ah, those warnings aren't for us. Those instructions are not for us. But what we fail to see is that in the global world in which we live, which was certainly what James and and Paul, the times that they gave warnings to rich people, that's what they were talking. In our present world, that's the language Paul even uses over in uh, 1 Timothy chapter 6, he, he talks about, this is what I'm talking about, the entire world, but when we think about that, then we currently are living much richer than we think. Some of us are actually very rich. The median income, 2021 median income in our country was $45,760. This is the, 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 the average or median. I know those are not the same, but let's just think about it like that. It's like the median amount of, peop- the, of all the people that are income earners in our country They are at $45,760. Now it's probably up a little bit more than that this year, but if you combined income of your home are at least at that level, you need to know you're in the top 1.9% of the richest people to be alive right now, and arguably richest people who've ever been alive ever. That's huge, isn't it? And some of you are like, how could that be true? Because some of you are saying, I make about that much, and I don't feel rich at all. Like, I got news for you, people who are at 35 thinking 45 is going to solve your problems. It doesn't, all right? After bills and everything, like, there's just not a lot left over, or if any. And it, it, it continues to perpetuate like that. And we continually, it's interesting that research shows that it doesn't matter how much money you make, those who make 50,000, which they made 75, they would say, well, if I made that, then I would have enough. And those who make 75 say, if I made 100, that would be enough. Gallup polls, we, there's, there's so much research around this. People who make 100 say, if I made 200, if I, the people at 200, if I could make a half million, half a million, if I could make a million, if I could make five million, it never, ever ends. It's crazy. We always feel like it is just out of our reach. Wealth is, is simply always defined by every generation more than I currently have. More than I currently have. James is warning about this. That There was this belief system in the first century, and I think it's still with us, that God favored the rich. That God liked them more. Why? because look how much they have. Look how blessed they are. But what's interesting is that Jesus comes along at a time when this was the pervasive understanding of the world, and I believe still with us today, and he makes these unbelievable truth bomb statements like in Luke 12, verse 48, where Jesus says, and if you would, let's read the highlighted words together. He says, everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. In other words, don't forget the fact that everything you have has been given to you. I know you worked hard for it, but guess what? The ability to work hard, the opportunity to work hard is all a gift. How much you make is a gift. It's a gift. We we fool ourselves into thinking somehow we manufactured this, that we were good enough, strong enough, hardworking enough, like we made it happen. He's saying, don't... Like, it's a gift. Don't, don't fool yourself into thinking. There are other people that work just as hard, if not harder than you, and make way less, have lay, way less. They live in conditions you couldn't even imagine and have far, far, far less than you do. It's a gift. And because of that, God demands that you manage it well. In other words... To put it another way, rich people aren't more loved. Rich people are more responsible. This is what Jesus taught. Rich people are more accountable for what they have. To whom much is given, much is required. Much is demanded. And this is what he's talking about. So let's go back to what James is saying in verse 1. He says, now listen, you rich people. Weep and wail because of the miseries that are coming on you. Now the His listeners in the first century, and maybe you might be saying this too, hey, you know, rich people, they don't really worry about the future. You know why? Because they're rich. Like, if you got all the money, like, why would you be worrying about the future? And and this is kind of an interesting conundrum that's still with us, that when you rely on money, you trust in money, instead of the one who richly provides you with all things, that's where you're gonna try to derive your security for life. So he's um, he's simply stating that, yeah, this is the way in which even rich people, you see, James was really smart. He paid attention to his half-brother Jesus. He listened to what Jesus taught, and Jesus taught this a lot, that even rich people, they worry a lot about the future, and they worry about losing what they have. they, they, They lose sleep over it. They're concerned about it all the time. Rich people tend to put their trust in wealth and then worry about losing it. This happens all the time. It still happens down to this day. And the irony around this is that the more that you have, the more that you will tend to worry about having enough. And this is so fascinating because this has been with us since even before the first century. Lower-income people tend to be much far more generous than higher-income people. As it turns out, human nature is as such that the more that we have the faster our fingers tend to close in around what we have and we bleed the joy out of it in other words the joy that god intended through the blessing of you having more than you need it gets lost because we're constantly worried about losing what we have in other words, we put faith in the stuff in the money and the wealth and the resources rather than the one who provides the stuff and the money and the resources. And James' warning is, be so careful you don't fall into this because that stuff won't last. And this is what he says in verse 2. He says, your wealth has rotted and moths have eaten your clothes, your gold and silver are corroded. In other words, he's saying you've hoarded and you've saved so much. It is decayed over time. It will be of no value to you in a short amount of time. You, 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 you either are going to not live longer any longer than you think you are, your time is going to be shorter than you think it is, or the Lord's going to come back. But either way, you need to be careful with what you do with what you have. So, in other words, here's here's a great way to think about it. That is no good to nobody when we hang on to it too long. This came to my mind uh, a couple of weeks ago. We found an old cell phone in our house, and this has probably happened to you before. We probably stuck it in a drawer thinking, oh, we might need that a little later. Well, at the time, the cell phone still had some value. Like, if we had given it to somebody who didn't have a cell phone... They could have like, used it and got some use out of it and actually it would have been good for somebody. But we held on to it so long, now I'm not even sure we could like, trade it in. I, didn't, I don't even think it has any value. In other words, it's no good to nobody. And that's just a little microcosm of what happens to us macroly in our lives if we hang on to stuff too long. If we're not willing to be generous and open-handed with it and be willing to say, God, how would you have me handle the things that you have given me this is all a gift this is important to look at it this way verse 3 it goes on to say james goes on to say their corrosion will testify against you and eat your flesh like fire james is like a prosecuting attorney pointing at his audience and saying god will hold us accountable for what we do with with our stuff he's going to hold us accountable with what we do with what we've been given he absolutely will. And he goes on to say this, that you have, hoarded and you have hoarded wealth in the last days. In other words, the time is shorter than you think it is. Why hoard when your time is short? Why hoard when your time is short? This is such a good question. And we ought to think about that question and go through our stuff and say, what am I hanging on to with the sort of mentality that, well, I might need it someday, so I'm just going to hang on to it instead of using the value that it currently has to help somebody? Like, the time is short because most of us, and, and I, don't, I, I don't know that Younger minds, younger adults Are fully going to understand this Although I hope you will I hope some of you younger people go I totally get that What I'm about to put up on the screen But you're going to run out of time Before you run out of stuff This happens to people all the time This happens to people all the time. Let me ask you a question, and this is a kind of a morbid thought if you've not done this before, but it is a hard thing if you've been through it. Have you ever been responsible for cleaning out a parent or grandparent's house after they've passed away? I've talked to many people that have been through this process. I've done a little bit of myself. And you wind up telling your close friends you wouldn't believe how much stuff they hung on to from like the 70s and the 60s and the 50s like I don't know what they thought they were going to do with that stuff and what do you wind up doing with it those of you who've been the process right and most of it goes into a dumpster somewhere you can't even give that stuff away nobody wants it it's no good to nobody it's expired it's gone and so are they it's wasted and what's interesting is that, and I came across this recently, that um, storage units in our country is almost a $40 billion, with a B, $40 billion a year industry. Now think about this for a second. These are little houses we rent to put the stuff we can't fit in our big house. <laughs> and some of it's climate control. So he's like... Oh my gosh, it's like air conditioning, it's like a pretty nice living for the stuff that can't fit in the regular house. People in other countries have bound us to just say, you won't believe what those Americans are doing over there. They have rented out another house to put the stuff they can't even fit in the big house. Like that's, what, who does that? We do that, we do that all the time, right? But it, it's important that we take a step back and say, are we willing to do this differently? Are we just gonna keep doing this? Because this is an industry that keeps growing. And, 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 and there's a story that people tell, we tell, when we have to clear out all that junk that was just left over from a life. And, and I'm not trying to cast aspersions on the generations that have gone before us. I'm just saying, maybe we can, they, they brought us so many wonderful things, but we can learn how not to do certain things, too, from them, Right? We tell a certain story about their stuff after they're gone. Guess what? Your kids, your grandkids will tell a story about you and your stuff after you're gone. I know it's morbid to think about, but it's coming, right? The day's coming for me where my kids or grandkids are going to clear out my house after I'm gone. And I think about this a lot. And we set an example that they are going to follow. We are showing them, this is how you manage, this is how you take care of, this is how you steward the stuff that God gives you. And it's important, it's James's warning, that we take a close look at our stuff. Because most of us, this is a sobering reality, but we're gonna run out of time before we run out of stuff. Our stuff is gonna way outlast. Wouldn't it be cool if we start giving away stuff that's while well, it's still good, it's like somebody would actually want it, <laughs> and you get down to the end of your life and you, don't have, you just have the stuff you need, Right? And and not all of the stuff that you were intending to be inheritance is gonna happen after your death. You could actually do some of it before you die and see the joy and see the difference that it makes in the lives of other people and in our community, in our church, or whatever. It's so powerful when you begin to think about how God wants to use you to be salt and light, to begin to give. Giving is required before our stuff is expired. And I love how James goes on to say, he says, look, the wages that you failed to pay the workers who mowed your fields are crying out against you. It was notorious in the first century. People were so tight-fisted on their stuff that they, they underpaid and overworked people all the time. People still do that, right? I mean, right down to this day. And it's because they didn't want to let go. They didn't want to be generous. They didn't want to be fair. They cared more about holding on to than being fair or blessing others, and they were they were exploiting these people and he goes on to say the cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord almighty god has heard their cries and you need to know people you have done this wrong you have done it incorrectly here's how god had hoped that you would approach this situation resourced people should not look for loopholes to do less resourced people should look for opportunities to do more that's why you're resourced that's why you're rich that's why you have more than other people but you will never feel rich as long as you spend all of it on yourself as long as you always are looking at who else has more than me and, and being inundated with advertisements and social media that tells you that a little more makes you a little more happy that is a lie that is a deception that will absolutely drain you of the joy and the purpose and the meaning that God intended for your life to have you need to know that that is very un-American to say that that is, goes against North American philosophy and, and ideals for many people because it's always more and more and more makes me more and more and more happy, and it's just false. And, and Jesus comes along and he says, "God has made us stewards over things, not owners over things, to we are to be managers of God's things rather than acting like it's all ours." Now God wants, he's given us opportunities to work hard. Yes, God is honored and he commends us for working hard, but he's also commanded us to be generous and to give and to be willing to live on less than we make so we have margin so that we can give part of that away and bless and make a difference in the lives of other people while we still have time. So important. And James is saying... Listen, you have lived on earth in luxury and self-indulgence. In other words, this is his way of saying, listen, you've you've been greedy. (laughs) You've made it all about you. It's about you having just like whatever it takes to make my lifestyle and my life more cushy, more luxurious, more self-indulgent. He's saying, listen, you have bought into a lie. And here's the lie. It's the assumption uh, pardon me, consumption assumption. It literally means if it comes to me, then it must be for me. So if I get a raise, I'm gonna raise my uh, lifestyle to match my raise. If I get a bonus, I'm gonna raise. I'm gonna, What toy can I get for me that will absorb that new money that I got? Instead of asking the question, God's the one who gave that extra and pray, God, how would you have us to spend that? How would you use what you have given for your purposes before we just assume that it's for me. It's for us. I'm not saying that using it for you is always wrong. I'm just saying there ought to be a pause and a prayer in there to say, God, before we just jump to the conclusion that all of this is for us to buy a new toy with, what did you have in mind? Maybe there's a need much more dire than our new toy that you want to use it for that could make an eternal difference in the life of other people how about that that's a powerful thing it's a powerful place to start and James uses an incredible metaphor here he says you have fattened yourself in the days of the slaughter in the day of the slaughter in other words he's he's basically talking about what many rich people did back there they would fatten a calf for slaughtering for a big celebration that was coming up we see this in the story of the prodigal son That the the father had fattened a calf for a big celebration. And, And this was a very common thing that happened back then. And James is simply saying, You may not realize it, but you're the fatted calf. Like you've stayed all this stuff up to your own demise. And what was interesting, there's this fascinating little piece of history that unfolds over the next several years after James writes this. And there's no way James would have known all this was about to happen, but God did in, in inspiring him to write these words. A few years after he writes this letter to the Christians in the Jerusalem area, in A.D. 62, he was... Martyred, killed as a follower of Jesus Christ by the high priest in Jerusalem. He was stoned to death. We have this recorded for us in history. And then a mere nine years, or pardon me, seven years after that, seven years after that, the rich people of the Jerusalem area were forced inside the city gates. They were surrounded by the Roman legions and they were slowly um, concealed in there and They starved to death, they got diseases, they died from murder, they died from enslavement, and all their wealth, all of it was carted off to Rome and it was no longer theirs, it was Roman wealth at that point, all taken away from them. And the ones that had held on to the most had the most to lose. The ones who had saved up and grabbed on to the most lamented and cried over the loss of all that they had more than anybody else in the end. And the moral of that story is it came from the lips of Jesus himself in Matthew six twenty, Lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven where he goes on to say so that it will never be taken away from you. Never. This is an investment that will only yield dividends that will build and double and triple and quadruple throughout eternity for you. He's not telling us don't invest in worldly things because he's trying to keep you from having fun. He's trying to tell you not to invest in worldly things because it won't last. It will all go away. But this will never be taken away. And we all have to invest in some things here. Nothing wrong with that. And he, God intended for Your income and your resources To be a blessing to you and your family But just being willing to say God help us to have the discipline To live below our means Our our income So that we might have the means To be able to be generous to other people You see giving is required Before our stuff is expired Giving is required Before our stuff is expired I want us to say that together Just one time together Would you let's do it together right now Giving is required before our stuff is expired. That's right. And to put it another way, what you cling to now, you'll be accountable for later. And this is what we're doing corporately in the big give. And the big give is simply just a celebration of generosity that we turn to our community and we say, hey, we're putting our money where our mouth is. Everybody matters to God whether God matters to them or not, because Jesus loved people like that. He loved people that had no idea that God loved them until they experienced it personally. And we have isolated three organizations that serve women in our community so beautifully well, and this year we're really focusing on the hurting and Uh, needy women of our community, and here are the three organizations that we're going to be giving to corporately together. Aggieland Pregnancy Outreach that really ministers to young and single mothers. Hope Gatherings that ministers to widows. And then today, um, we've got Katie Humphreys out there in our um, lobby, who is representing Unbound. She's one of the directors that uh, really helps survivors from human trafficking. And Sam talked about that a little bit earlier, and she would love to meet you. We'd love for you to be able to get questions, answers, get to know her, find out more about them. We are so excited. All three of these organizations, we feel such um, an affinity with and feel like we're on the same page um, with our passions and our calling and our mission, and so really excited to get to partner with these ministries and be able to help make a difference. Now, when it comes to the big give, you need to know, we never have like a dollar amount is not our goal. Our goal is a participation participation percentage. We want 100% participation. We'd love for everybody to do something. You know why? Because everybody can do something, right? Maybe it's like I'm gonna give up a couple of lattes over the next couple of weeks so that I can be a part of making an eternal difference in the lives of some women in our community. That would be huge, right? But I want to encourage you to do more than that. That we're willing to, that we're going to be giving 100% away of that which is earmarked the big give over the next couple of weeks. So this week, I'm asking you to pray about from from today to the 13th, next Sunday. We're asking you to pray about God, and this is the prayer God, show me the faith stretching amount that you'd like me or our family or us as a couple or whatever um, to give towards the big give next weekend. Now, if for some reason you're gone next weekend, you're like, oh, darn, we've got plans on the 13th, well, you can do it online, or we'll receive it on the 20th, the next Sunday, all right? So lots of options there, all right? So I always want you to know that we'd like for you to be a part of this. And if you're like, I don't know what, like, where do I even begin, how much? We just say, start with this, $39.95. I'm like, That's a weird number. Where'd you get that? It's just kind of the average price of things at Target or Walmart. We've all bought stuff for $39.95, right? That we took home, put somewhere, and forgot about. But this is an investment that will last forever and could make an eternal difference in the lives and will make an eternal difference in the lives of other people that can never be taken away from you. Now, some of you look at that and go, $39.95? That's not very much. You clearly need to move the decimal point over maybe two times I don't know but but that's between you and God that's why I'm asking you to pray about it but what's so beautiful over the last three years you guys this church has been so beautiful during a global pandemic we have given away over a hundred and seventy thousand dollars to local charities and ministries that are helping impact lives right here in the Brazos Valley praise God for that it's because of messages, me bringing, teaching like this, and you guys go, that's right. We want to follow and take serious what Jesus said. We're going to put that into practice. We're going to really do this and not just keep criticizing. Well, the world ought to be different. Guess what? God's saying, you're right, and I want to use you to do it. What do you say? Jesus couldn't have been more clear in Matthew 25:40. He says, whatever you did for the least of these, you did for me. Whatever you did When you serve people in need like this You're doing it unto me, Jesus says As unto the son of the living God And I want to encourage you Don't miss this window of opportunity Let's let's give in this time Because giving is required Before our stuff is expired And here's the prayer I'm asking you to pray with me today Simply saying, Jesus Show me where I'm holding on to stuff Resources, money Whatever that is now that will be i will be accountable for later what would you have me give lord where could i make a sacrifice that isn't even that big of a sacrifice maybe we go out to eat less we 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 do for ourselves a little less maybe we taper down on some of the entertainment for us i don't know what that looks for you just ask god and be open to what the Spirit of God begins to lead you. Things that come to your mind, be open to it. God, how can we be more generous? How could we begin to live on less than we make? That is such a powerful and critical principle to live according to. And it will bring such freedom and joy to your life because now you have margin. It's so powerful. So I'd love for right now for us to go to the Lord in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, speak to Him right now. And for some of you in this time of prayer, I want to challenge you. If maybe you're watching this at home on your, um, any kind of device, your phone, whatever. I want to challenge you. You would be willing to say, God, whatever you ask, I'm willing to say yes. Would you be willing to do that? God, show me what is the faith-stretching amount you're asking me to give. And maybe for some of you here or you're watching this online, you have never Formally, like given your life to the Lord and started a relationship with God, become a child of God, today's the day. Now is the time that you could do that. And it will make an eternal difference in your life and a ripple effect that will go out through all eternity. If you would, let's bow together in prayer. God, we thank you so much for your love today. Thank you for your powerful word that pushes us in the direction of of where you're at work it pushes us outside of our comfort zone it pushes us in a, in a in a direction of generosity it pushes us to begin to see that giving is required before our stuff is expired god all across this room right now and those who are watching this online would you be willing all of you who can hear my voice would you just be willing to say yes god I am available. My stuff is available to be used by you to make a difference in the lives of others. If you would be willing to say, God, I'm asking you to show me what you want me to do. I'm not even asking you to commit to any number or amount or a thing or a resource or any just to say, God, I'm open to you. If you're open to him right now, would you just lift your hand? I want to pray for you right now wherever you're sitting. Would you just be open to him speaking through you, working through you? God, thank you for hands going up all over in the balcony, in the floor, from room, all over the room, from wall to wall. God, and I have to believe those who are watching this online, God, I pray right now that you would use us to be salt and light in the world that is insipid and dark and in need of what you have to offer through us. Yes, we put our yes on the table. God, you may lower your hands. I pray, God, for any person who can hear me right now that would honestly say, I don't know where I would spend eternity if my life ended in this moment. And there is a deep longing of your soul to be right with God, to be a child of the Most High God and like really live in an intimate, interactive relationship with your Father in Heaven. He wants that too. That's the whole purpose for Jesus coming to earth. Would you just reach out in faith and in prayer right now and say, Lord God, I want you in my life. And I ask you, Jesus, to forgive my sins. I'm trusting that when you died on the cross and resurrected from the dead, that was for me too. And I ask you to forgive my sin and be the Lord of my life starting right now. If you just ask Jesus to forgive your sin and be the Lord of your life, would you be so bold? This is an act of faith. They'll raise your hand and say, Will, that's me. I'm asking Christ to come into my life, forgive my sins, take over my life right now. Anybody here, God bless you, ma'am, right there. I see you. Anybody else giving my life over to Jesus for the first time today? God, I thank you so much for speaking to us today, challenging us today, that we would live for you, we would give for you, that you would use us to make an eternal difference, an impact while we still have time. We love you. We praise you. We pray all this in your name, Jesus. We pray in that name, amen. God bless you guys. If you gave your life to Christ, made a decision for Christ today, please share that with somebody who'll celebrate that with you. We love you. We'll see you back next Sunday.